One of our professors at uh, Dallas Seminary, Haddon Robinson, he was a uh, preaching professor, actually. Uh, but he spent a lot of time overseas doing missions work. He says uh, several years ago he, he led a, a tour in Turkey of the uh, churches that were mentioned in the book of Revelation. And he said, on the last night we were in the city of Izmir and we were having dinner at one of the nicer hotels. And our guide had been in the United States for at least 10 years, he spoke English flawlessly. And as we were eating, he began to ask questions, serious questions about the uh, Christian faith. And I said to him, you're a follower of Islam. And if you died tonight, would, are you sure you would be in the presence of Allah? Uh, no, he replied. He said, there are five things that Muslims must do, and I've done two of them. And then we began to talk about the gospel. We, we talked about it long into the night, and before we left, I said to him, look, you're serious about our conversation, I know. And it would not be faithful of me not to ask you right now if you'd put your trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. And he said to me, you don't know what you're asking me. Do you know what happened if I did that? He said, if I announced it to anybody, my, my wife would leave me, my family would disown me, my boss would fire me. You know, I may want to leave and go back to the United States, but the government would not give me an exit visa. I'd give up everything. He says, you go back tomorrow. I would, I would not expect you to support me, but I would starve to death in my own culture. And as far as I know, he did not trust Christ that night, but there are people who have made that decision and suffered all the loss that endured and endured those hardships because they're Christ's followers. And if you think of Romans 8.28, all things work together for good who love God to those who are called according to his purposes. And that's a, that's a promise that if... Uh, that's a promise that you'll have a middle-class life uh, in a lovely little church in a nice little town where you may even get a pass to the country club, right? No. Paul did not promise that. Did not promise that. So Merritt already mentioned we're, we're talking about the cost of discipleship, the, uh, the, requ- the requirements of, of discipleship. Uh, there, there's a preacher, uh, Alistair Begg, uh, did a sermon on this, and he called it Terms and Conditions, and he started out talking about how he was uh, to sign an acknowledgement. It was like you know, 20 pages of terms and conditions in order to use some software program. And he said he didn't read it. He just, he just checked it. But... Uh, you know, he's talking about how these terms and conditions, they keep changing. You know, each time a new version of the software comes out, you've got to re-agree to the terms and conditions. But the terms and conditions that uh, Jesus lays out here never change. They never expire. They're always, they're always good. This morning, we're going to finish uh, Mark chapter 8, where Jesus talks about this, the, the requirements of, of discipleship. And, uh, you know, last, year, last time we, remember, we, uh, we looked at this word, must, Remember what the context was? Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer and, and die. As we move, as we move forward, you know, he, he really says the same thing about us if, if we're going to follow him, if we're going to be his disciples. Well, turn with me to Mark chapter 8, verse uh, 31. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll read uh, through the first uh, verse in chapter 9. As he began to teach that them that the Son of Man must suffer these things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again, he said this plainly. Peter took him aside. He began to rebuke him, and turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Yeah, I'm rereading that because this sets the stage for what Jesus is going to talk about right now. And he says, And calling the crowd with him, to him, with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the son, man, son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, God, these are, these are your words. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that uh, they would find fertile soil in our hearts. Lord, illuminate your word. Change us with your word by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So anyway, last week we came to Peter, who has this realization as to who Jesus is. We saw him de- declare that Jesus was the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. What, is, what does that word Christ mean? The, the Greek word is Christos. Christos, it's, it means the anointed one, the Messiah. You know, this is the one who the, uh, of, uh, whom the, uh, the Israelites were waiting for with the expectation that he would deliver them. You know, there's a, there's a, a sense of kingship here. Kingship in this expectation. And, you know, we see Jesus as king, portrayed as king throughout the, uh, the New Testament. But remember... Later, that Jesus uh, reveals something that was hard for Peter and the, the apostles to compre- comprehend. You know, he was, he was going to suffer many things. That he was going to be rejected by, by the elders and the chief priests. He, he was going to be tossed aside by the uh, religious leaders. He was going to be killed. And after three days, he, w- he would rise again. He tells them this three times throughout the gospel of, of Mark. And, you know, the reason we're going over this again is, is it is su- such a key thing for what follows. See, Jesus leads us on the path that, uh, that we must take, the path that we must take if we are going to follow him. It's the same path that he took. And so just as Jesus said, he must die, He puts forward three conditions 
three requirements of those who would be disciples. Well, the first one was, he said, a a disciple must deny himself. We need to deny ourselves. There there are a couple things we need to see here. You know, first, uh, the, the three words in this translation, let him deny, they're one word in Greek, the original. And the word's in imperative form, which means it's a command. It means he must deny himself. You know, it's not, it's not an option. It's not an option. He says he must. If you're going to come after me, you must deny yourself. You know, er- earlier Jesus said the Messiah must go on the path of, of humiliation and, and suffering and death and resurrection. He says, if you want to follow me, you must go on the same path that I'm, I'm going to go on. And this word, this translated deny means to act in a holy, selfless manner. To act in a holy, selfless manner. The uh, New Living Translation puts it this way. You must give up your own way. You must give up your own way. You know, I, I can no longer be first. I, I must subordinate my will, my, my needs, my desires to, to his will. He comes first. If I'm going to follow Christ, it's him on the throne of my heart, not me. You know, not my will, but, but your will be done needs to be the, the prayer on our, our lips. And just in the, you know, in the model prayer, Jesus told us to pray the same thing, didn't he? He said, our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to deny ourselves, ourselves goes even, even further. We need to be selfless towards other people. You're saying, well, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, this is where the path of Christ the Messiah leads for his disciples. In, in Romans 15, 2 through 3, listen to what Paul says. He says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He says something similar in verse uh, 10, 24 of 1 Corinthians. He said, you know, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. You see this, this selflessness. Uh, you know, it's, it's the self-denial that says, you know, I come last after God and after others. Can we do that? You know, it requires that we lay down our rights or what we think are our rights. You know, this is very countercultural for us in the United States. You know, we live in a society where we're told to demand our rights, to stand up for our rights. You know, in our culture, everything, everybody else is, is subordinate to me, to my needs, my desires, to my rights, my individual rights. You know, uh, our, our country's governing documents talk about our individual rights, don't they? You know, the founding documents... The, the Declaration of Independence says that all people have the unalienable right, that's the innate right of 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, the First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law representing an establishment of religion, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peacefully assemble or to petition the governor or government for a redress of grievances. You know, these are the things that we learn in school as we're, we're children or small children. You know, we have rights, we have freedoms, we have liberties that no one can take away from us. You know, these are good things, but guess what? As Jesus' disciples, we're called to a higher law. We are called to a higher law. We're called to lay down our lives let alone our, our rights. We're told not to use our liberties for our own purposes, our own goals. Yeah, we're, we're no, we, we no longer have a right to always have it our way. We no longer have the right to always have the last word. We no longer have the right to say whatever we think we want to say we, we're under a higher law you know last, last year I gave a copy of a book to everyone here it's, it's the book we use in the, the membership class remember that I am a church member you know, this, this would be a good book to reread every year I think you know some of the chapters were I will be a functioning church member I will be a unifying church member. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. I will treasure my church membership as as a gift. Remember remember that? You know, if if we're not willing to take that attitude, then uh, guess what? We're We're not denying ourselves. You know, people will will fight these things if they are putting themselves first. Maybe I should say we, not not people. <laughs> I think this, you know, this hits every one of us. You know, um, these these are the things that cause church splits and and conflicts in in churches. Paul says. You were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. That's Galatians five thirteen through 15. So, you know, the Bible never tells us that happiness is guaranteed or, or that that's our goal, you know, especially if it causes us to sin against God and sin against other people. You know, we, we don't have the God-given right to say or do whatever we want. Uh, you know, these, these rights come with some qualifications. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, We'll talk about him a little more in, in, a, in a few minutes here, but he, he defines self-denial this way. To deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self, to see only him who goes before and no more the road which is too hard for us. Once more, all that de- uh, self-denial can say is he leads the way. Keep close to him. 
Now, this is just number one. Jesus doesn't leave it at, at self-denial. It gets, it gets better. He says we have to die. He says we, we have to take up our cross. You know, what, what does this mean? You know, Jesus, Jesus himself will take up his cross and go to the hill where, where he'll be hung on that cross and, and die. Jesus requires that we die. You know, it, it, it might mean that we're called to uh, physically die, you know, for, for, for Christ, for, for his gospel. You know, would, would we follow him to death? You know, there, there are many who are doing that today as, as we speak in countries where people die for their, their testimony. They die for following Christ. Um, you know, according to Christian tradition, you know, let's, let's look at the, uh, the apostles. Uh, you know, according to, tra- tra- to tradition, uh, Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down, both of these in AD 66. Uh, Andrew was crucified. Thomas was pierced through with spears. James was clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot was killed after refusing to uh, sacrifice to the sun god in Persia. Only John, only the apostle John died of natural causes in, in old age. So what about us? You know, Jesus makes it clear that he's not only talking to these 12. Look, look, look again at what it says. When he, when he called the people to listen, he, it says he called the crowd to himself with the disciples. And he says, if anyone would come to me, who, who, if anyone would come after me, and he applies this to whoever, you know, that's, that's to any of us. That's to any person who wants to be his disciples. Disciple. You know, what, whatever time in history, whatever geographic location. Yeah, I don't know if you know the, the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a, uh, he was a pastor and theologian in, in Germany during uh, the Second World War, during the, uh, the reign of Hitler. And at one point, he was, uh, this was in 1939, he was invited to come to America to uh, be a guest lecturer at Union Theological Seminary. And he had, he had the opportunity just to stay in the United States and ride out the war. Many people encouraged him to do so. But according to his biography, he, you know, he could not shake the feeling of responsibility for, for his country, for the people in his country. And it says, uh, within months of his arrival, he wrote theological, or theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. He said, I have made a mistake coming to America. I must live through this difficult period in our national history with the Christian people of Germany. I have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. You know what happened to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he, he returned to Germany. He became part of the resistance. He uh, helped found what a church called the Confessing Church. He was put in prison and he was hanged right before the end of the war. 
he, he wrote a book. I have it on my shelf. It was a book that might have deceived me uh, way back, I think, when I was about 18 or 19. It's called The Cost of Discipleship. And here's a quote from that book. When, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him, or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it's the same death every time, death in Jesus Christ, the death of the old man at his call. So we might be called to die physically as the apostles, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as with the hundreds of thousands of other believers through history. But we're also called to a um, a figurative death, a spiritual death, you know, what... The, the death of what Paul calls the, the old man. The old man is put to death when a person is saved. And Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. So... You know, it's, it's no longer about me. It's no longer about you. It's, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ who lives with us. Paul spends a lot of time with this in, in Romans. Romans 6, uh, especially, he says, um, you know, we've been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. I, I saw this movie where, um, it is a World War II movie, and these, these soldiers in this one scene in Normandy, Normandy France, uh, Lieutenant uh, Ronald Spears finds one of his men who's cowering in a, in a foxhole. He's, he's unable to even lift his gun, let alone pull the trigger. He's, he's in this foxhole and he, he's just paralyzed in, with, with terror. And there are these bombs exploding around him. And Lieutenant Spears comes up and he, he crouches down to this soldier. And he says, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you are already dead. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. You know, what, he, what he's saying is a soldier must let go of his old life. Which weighs us down. It's, it's the same for us. Paul David Tripp writes in a book that he wrote, uh, it's called Dangerous Calling. And he said, if you're ever going to be an ambassador in the hands of God of glorious and powerful grace, you must die. You must die to the plans of your own life. You must die to your self-focused dreams of success. You must die to your demands for comfort and ease. You must die to your individual definition of the good life. You must die to your demands for pleasure, acclaim, prominence, and respect. You must die to your desire to be in control. You must, you must die to your hope for independent righteousness. 
You must die to your plans for others. You must die to your cravings for a certain lifestyle or a particular location. You must die to your own kingship. You must die to the pursuit of your own glory in order to take up the cause of the glory of another. You must die to your control over your own time. You must die to the maintenance of your own reputation. You must die to having the final answer and getting your own way. You must die to your unfaltering confidence in you. You must die. That's quite a quote. But you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, what Paul says, he says, I die daily. I die daily. You know, here where, where Jesus says, take up, you know, the disciple, whoever will follow after me must take up his cross and follow me. And in the gospel of Luke, Luke adds this word daily. You must die, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's that's the thing about the Christian life, by the way. It is so daily. You know, each day we have decisions to make. Who am I going to follow? Who am I going to obey? Whose glory am I going to seek today? Whose pleasure am I going to seek today? Mine or, or the Lord's? Well, the third condition sums it up, and this is... I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad this third element is in here because so far it sounds pretty negative, right? Denying yourself, dying. But the third one is we must follow him. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, he says. You know, Paul, Paul says, um, you know, that we need to consider ourselves dead and alive to Christ. It's that alive to Christ part which gives us hope, which, gives, which should give us joy. Uh, we're, you know, we're no longer slaves to sin and death. We're no longer slaves to our, our fleshly desires, you know, the desires of, of self. You know, it's not necessary that, that we sin. You know, in a, in a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to go outside and, and we're going to baptize Ethan. You know, baptism is, is a picture of this. It's a, it's a, res, a picture of a, of a resurrection. Just as Jesus died, we die. Just as he was raised, we're raised to new life that we can walk in him. You know, when we're... When we're following Jesus, we're no longer our own. You know, the uh, again, uh, I, I'm glad Jesus said this third part, you know, because the Christian community is not a community of, of the walking dead, you know. You've seen, maybe you've seen zombie movies. That's, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about those who've died to their, their old life and are now alive in, in Christ. You know, this, this necessary death gives way to an amazing life in Jesus, the abundant life that Jesus says he came to, to give. You know, it's, it's a resurrection. Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty five, 
The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, and he's speaking of Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Jesus' way, Jesus' path, if we're going to follow him, is described in, in the Bible. It's, look, let's look at Philippians 2, 3 to 10. It's kind of a description of our, our new life in Christ as we follow on the same path that Jesus took. He, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You see that self-denial? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not, account, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, now we have we have we see number one and number two. Here's number three. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every on heaven and earth, every tongue confess that he's Lord. You know, Jesus said, whoever will lose his life will save it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You know, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? You know, what, for, for what can a man give in return for his soul? Um, you know, if we insist on holding on to our old life, we're not following him. And we're giving up quite a lot. We may think we're gaining a lot by holding on to our our fleshly desires, but we're giving up the glory that is in Christ. We're giving up the abundant life that he's promised. We need to put that old life behind us and follow Christ into new life. John continues, or excuse me, Jesus continues. Jesus continues in verse 38. Whoever whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now I looked up this this, this word which is uh, translated ashamed in the uh, my Greek lexicon and it it means to experience a painful feeling or sense of loss of status because of some particular event or activity. You know, in other words, you know, you may not feel it's worth it. You may, you may feel, I don't want to give up my identity. I don't want to give up my lifestyle. I, I don't want people to disapprove of me. I don't want people to mock me. But you know, we need to realize what's important in life. You know, what, what things have eternal consequences. You know, I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd rather please God than please man in this life. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says in, in Mirror Christianity. He says, Christ says, give me all. 
I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree cut down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think are innocent as well as the ones you think are wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. You know, Jesus doesn't want to improve, just, you know, embellish our, our lives. You know, just tack on some improvements. You know, just some uh, nice things here and there, you know, to take us the way we are and make us better. No. Those who are in Christ are, are new creations. That that old life is is gone. We need to leave it behind. We need to die daily. We need to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. So you want to be a disciple. It's, it's spilled out here what we need to do. We must deny ourselves. We must die. We must follow Jesus Christ. Take his path. You know, not following at a distance, but following close. Right there with him. Right there, his way with him. You know, by his strength. You know, to be like him, to have the same mindset, the same attitude, like Paul says in, in Philippians 2. You know, that attitude which would humble itself, become a servant. Putting him, putting others above ourselves. Let's pray. Oh Lord, this, this calls us each to uh, a decision to make. It calls us each to, uh, to surrender, to surrender all. And we're going to be, we're going to be singing a, a song next that, that's called that. It's called I Surrender All. And, um, you know, what are, what are some things in our, our lives? What are some things in your life that you need to give to the Lord? Things that you need to, to surrender. Things that you need to, to lay down and give up to follow him. So I want us to pray as we sing this. Sing this song prayerfully, worshipfully. And mean it from the heart. I, I surrender all. All to Jesus I, I freely give.